This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of that Citizen Capital studio in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Citizen Capital for another few weeks. And yep. then we have a new sponsor. Yes, we who's do. taking the month of August and probably a little of September because yep. we're taking off uh, part of August. But we're going to have a new name. It's going to be a great name. Yeah, I don't, I don't you, think I should give it no, away. Don't give it away. But the listeners are going to really like the name of the studio next month. Stay tuned for that. So before we get into the haiku section, I uh, noticed a funny story online um, among some great posts today in general. Uh, But I also (laughs) I saw a funny story. This is from Bloomberg. Uh, from Josh Idelson at Bloomberg. It's a piece about how Elon Musk reacted to news of his donations to congressional Republicans. You know that Elon said he was a socialist a few weeks ago and everyone was mocking him for that. And then also a a few days ago, it came out that he gave money to congressional Republicans, (laughs) uh, which is something a socialist definitely does. So anyway, this is uh, from Bloomberg, how Elon reacted to the fallout from that story. Quote, Elon Musk personally dialed up the head of the environmental group, the Sierra Club, and asked for help with deflecting criticism over donations that the chairman of Tesla Inc. made to Republicans, according to an email that the head of the nonprofit sent to his staff. Musk on Saturday called Michael Brune, the Sierra Club executive director, and asked that he make public more than $6 million in contributions to the group, which had been anonymous. Brune wrote in the email. Musk also in <laughs> this is the best part. Musk also enlisted Brune to vouch for him on Twitter <laughs> to quell a firestorm over the billionaire's thirty-eight thousand nine hundred dollar contribution to a committee that benefits congressional Republicans, including House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. So <laughs> Elon Musk is losing a Twitter fight. This is exactly like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Ted Danson, Ted Danson is the anonymous yeah. donor, but he's telling everybody about it. It's yep. like, oh, well, that's the best thing to be is an anonymous donor who tells anonymous. everybody. <laughs> and it, it, funny about that episode is Barbara Boxer, the, the former senator from California, uh, is in it. And, and she plays a role gushing over anonymous who she knows is Ted Danson. Uh, this this is great. I mean, it w- it was funny. We were, I was joking on Twitter about how Sierra Club's reaction uh, to the donation was obviously like they were obviously doing some sort of fucking sorted favor to the elite. And then days later, Josh Idelson breaks a story that sure enough, Musk was like, "Hey, I'm losing a Twitter fight. You need to make this public." <laughs> He's lost a lot of Twitter fights lately, Mr. Musk. He needs to log off for a bit. I'm just wondering why fucking Tesla, how is Tesla stock rated so high? How is it worth so much? Again, like full disclosure, I have not personally. How how did people invest in Juicero? Yeah, I don't know. Or or Theranos. I mean, I have not personally shorted Tesla for for like full financial disclosure. Because like if you take a financial position and you start talking about it on the news, like I haven't done that, but I really want to. I really want to short fucking Elon Musk's stupid fucking car company stock. Financial advisors, class traders out there, 
Call into the rant line. Let us know how we can get involved in Hell, shorting. dude, tell me. <laughs> Listeners, if you are not a Patreon subscriber, what are you doing? Right now, patreon.com slash district sentinel, $1 a month, $2 a month, whatever you can spare helps uh, keep the lights on here at the district sentinel studios but if you contribute five bucks a month you get a bunch of good perks you get bonus content you get access to the once a week sentinel cast you get a live stream of this show you get to watch us as we're recording the show live plus there's a little couple minutes before we start recording where it's just us and the viewers Uh, you get all that plus 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 for five bucks a month you get your own haiku we're about to read some right now This is for Ross. Rick Ross, the rapper. Not a fan, but I do like Rick Ross, the dealer. Thank you, Ross. This one's for Larry. Twitter drama, huh? There ain't no Twitter drama. Having a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you slash sorry to Larry for that haiku. Finally, this one is for Howard's and Lives, and I will also apologize preemptively for this one. (laughs) Italian food. Who wants some bucatini? Mangia antipasti. (laughs) Thank you, Howard Zinn Lives. Wow, we wrote some real bangers today, huh? (laughs) Thanks to... (laughs) Instant classics. Thanks to all... Our new subscribers on Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. It is Thursday, August 19th, 2018. Here's the news. Discussing news about the FCC earlier this week, we noted there was trouble in paradise. FCC Chair Ajit Pai suddenly came out against a proposed merger between local TV giants, Sinclair Broadcasting, and Tribune Media. Now the trouble is intensifying. Pai's commission is basically accusing the companies of lying. In filings published today and reported by The Hill, the FCC said the firm's proposed merger involve seemingly bogus plans to circumvent legal limits on TV station ownership. Sinclair, for example, would sell WGN in Chicago for $60 million to a man named Stephen Fader. The problem with this, according to the FCC, is that the price is below market value, and Fader has ties to Sinclair CEO David Smith. The filing said, quote, Specifically, we question the legitimacy of the proposed sale of such a highly rated and profitable station in the nation's third largest market, that's Chicago, to an individual with no broadcast experience, with close ties to Smith, and with plans to own only the license and minimal station assets, end of quote. That's Chicago, uh, by the way, I added in there. That was obviously not in the uh, initial FCC filing. In other words, the commission believes this is a ruse and that Sinclair would retain effective control of WGN after selling it, if it wasn't already clear by now. According to federal law, a single company can't reach more than 39% of the local broadcast market. 
Basically, until this week, Pi was accused of conspiring with Sinclair to circumvent the 39% cap that I just mentioned. As noted on previous shows, the FCC Inspector General has been looking into the allegations. Yeah, I'm really curious at what has prompted this about face from Ajit Pai, and I have a feeling that we could learn about more of this in a few weeks when an Inspector General report drops. I hate to sound like a dipshit, but this does sort of sound like institutional norms holding somewhat in one case, in one single case during the Trump era where you had this nakedly corrupt fucking uh, merger that Pi was going through and approving with bogus rules like the UHF discount and other stuff. And now the inspector general says it's investigating and suddenly, suddenly Pi has his come to Jesus moment. And uh, I don't know. I, I, in this one case, things appear to be working as they should. While the calls to abolish ICE are growing louder, we've got a long way to go before lawmakers are ready to listen. Yesterday, the House of Representatives passed a resolution in support of ICE. That's right, a We Love ICE bill just weeks after the family separation controversy erupted. The vote on the non-binding resolution wasn't even close. 244 in support, 35 against, 133 Democrats voted present. They didn't even have the courage to call for eliminating ICE and didn't have the courage to defend ICE uh, either. Uh, A bunch of Democrats did vote no, uh, including Democrats like Mark Pocan, who introduced legislation to abolish ICE, but then announced that he'd vote against it if it was brought to the floor. All Republicans did vote in favor of the bill, except for one, Michigan's Justin Amash. We knew this. We knew this vote would not pass. And we knew that there would be Democrats who voted against it. Well, but, it but, did pass. The resolution, you mean? Sorry, yeah. We, we knew the resolution would pass. And yeah. we knew there would be uh, Democrats who sided with Republicans. But the fact there are 133 present votes yeah. is pretty fucking... Pretty cowardly. Pretty cowardly. Pretty embarrassing. And uh, that's pretty much the Democratic Party right there. <laughs> Today, the Senate Banking Committee held the nomination hearing for Kathy Craninger the pick to relieve Mick Mulvaney of his temporary CFPB duties. There wasn't a lot of drama about Craninger's views on the Bureau. Mulvaney has tried to sabotage the CFPB from within, and Craninger currently works at OMB, the agency Mulvaney runs on a full-time basis. Here she was responding to Ohio Democrat Sherrod Brown, flaunting her, her adherence to the Mulvaney doctrine by refusing to say she believes the current CF- CFPB structure is constitutional. One of the enforcement actions that Director Cordray took was against a company scamming 9-11 first responders. The judge in the 9-11 first responder case struck down CFPB's claims agreeing with the president's Supreme Court that the bureau is unconstitutional. Would you challenge that ruling you said of the CFPB? Senator, so in other words, are you going to take the side? I'm sorry, and are you going to take the side of of the 9/11 scammers? Are you going to take the side of those who were scammed as you decide what to do on this court case? And please make your response prompt. Absolutely, I'm aware of the constitutionality (laughs) questions, Senator. I think they're important, but they're not for me in this position to answer. The director has a responsibility to carry out the law as it is written and run the agency as it is established now, and that's my focus. Now. was I going to say Brown made a mistake there? He said uh, uh, Trump Supreme Court. I think he was he was meaning to say Trump Supreme Court pick uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. Because Brett Kavanaugh wrote a dissenting opinion 
declaring that the CFPB structure was unconstitutional. So if that was a distraction there. Nevertheless, Craninger won't say it, won't say that the CFPB is structured constitutionally. Uh, and by the way, another aside here, I've been pronouncing her name wrong on past shows. I'd, I'd been saying Craninger, but it's, yeah. it's Craninger, but who really cares about that? Either She's going to be a shitty CFPB she director. She is going to be so. a very shitty CFPB director. And Democrats didn't even need to stick to her record on financial matters in order to make that case. As an OMB official, Craninger currently oversees a broad policy portfolio that includes the administration's neglect of Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria and the ongoing refugee family separation nightmare. It's quite the impressive trophy collection if you're gunning for the Sociopath Hall of Fame. Here's Craninger being grilled about family separations by Elizabeth Warren. The clip is a little long, but I think the exchange really does capture how fucked up the Trump administration truly is. This was a policy that was designed to traumatize children and families as a way of scaring them away from the border. Even if they were seeking asylum, even if they were fleeing death threats, gang violence, rape, domestic abuse, White House Chief of Staff Kelly said um, that the whole point of this was, quote, to be a tough deterrent. The American Academy of Pediatrics says that being separated from their parents for weeks or months can cause these children irreparable, lifelong physical and psychological harm. Do you think that purposefully inflicting that on innocent children is immoral? And please make your answer brief. Yeah. Senator, I think there are many heartbreaking stories that, that appear in the news every day from the conversation we had about American families, hardworking, who are it's affected by... It's a simple by... yes or no question. Do you believe that it is immoral to set up a plan whose deliberate intent is to inflict harm on children? Senator, it's not appropriate for me to provide my personal opinion and, and internal deliberations and discussions on you know, this matter. Almost now, as, as you could hear at the end there, Warren continued, and I'll get back to that in a second, but it was pretty striking because uh, usually when a witness wants to deny something uh, uh, without doing it and revealing internal deliberations, they'll say, oh, I disagree with the wording of your question. I don't think we were intending to inflict trauma on children. Craninger never disagreed with that. <laughs> she, she seemed to really, uh, really buy the fucking premise of Warren's question, and uh, that was pretty sickening. It was pretty jarring for me to hear. I'm a little disturbed at how little time she's getting to answer these questions. <laughs> yeah, we, we can hear from uh, Banking Committee Chair Mike Crapo, who's, who's been chiming Please in. Please be about, prompt with in, your answer. In both those clips there. Anyway, Warren eventually told Craninger that family separations were, quote, a moral stain that will follow you for the rest of your life. And after the senator finished... Someone in the in the gallery played an audio recording of refugee families screaming after they were separated at the southern border. Finally today, bad news, folks. Trump is not going to hand over former Ambassador Michael McFall to Russia for questioning. <laughs> uh, during the Geo Helsinki press conference on Monday, Russian President Putin trolled Trump, suggesting that if the U.S. invest if U.S. investigators wanted to talk to any alleged Russian hackers, then they can do so with Russian authorities present and with reciprocity so that Russia can interrogate U.S. individuals like former ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul. This was a troll. Obviously, the U.S. government wouldn't agree to letting Russian authorities detain and question McFaul or any other U.S. official. Of course, the Russians 
couldn't have expected how dumb the Trump administration is on this issue, as Sarah Huckabee Sanders responded by saying yesterday that they were considering the proposal and Trump saying that it was, quote, an incredible offer. (laughs) Well, after they've had some time to think about it and listen to uh, plenty of people be like, what are you fucking getting me? The White House is no longer considering the offer. Huckabee Sanders said, quote, it is a proposal that was made in sincerity, in sincerity by President Putin, but President Trump disagrees with it. Hopefully, President Putin will have the 12 identified Russians come to the United States to prove their innocence or guilt. Well, dang. Yeah, g- good luck. Good luck with that. Well, yeah, please extradite the FSB officers. <laughs> Maybe we can get McFall in a, in a garbage can or something at the end of the week. <laughs> Hear that, folks? Get your garbage can nominees. It's open right now. McFall with some uh, some bad posts, a history of bad posts online. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's going to do it for the newscast today. But I see that the listener rant line is blinking, so let's take a few calls before we go. Hey, guys. It's Dude Slater, the official District Sentinel correspondent on all matters relating to the Chicago White Sox and Takashi 6 9 So let's start there. I um, came off of this weekend. The White Sox took two out of three for the Royals going into the All-Star break, where Jose Abreu was starting at first base. And the Takashi 6-9 front, 6-9 arrived in court looking very dapper. I recommend you look for the photo on his Twitter feed of him uh, coming out of court. Just a very um, well-dressed young man. And finally, I have just historic news as it pertains to the um one of the participants in the awful pundit tournament chris eliza had a correct take this is something that comes along once in a lifetime it's like haley's comment (laughs) and that is that he said the cubs suck the cubs do suck and for that we want to acknowledge the one time in his life that chris eliza has ever been correct um, with that said, uh, Dude Slater out. Thanks, Dude Slater. I mean, where else do you get White Sox and Takashi 6 9 updates? I mean, what other podcasts are you getting that sort of content? I, uh, <laughs> none. I, 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 none, none, of course not. I saw the photo of Takashi outside of court, and, uh, I was fine. I was. I was finally like, oh, this is the dude that, uh, Dude Slater is always talking about. Yeah. And yeah, he, he was dressed very sharply, very well. I noticed uh, after Saliza said that the Cubs suck, he immediately reverted back to being awful and having awful opinions by shitting on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So, well, stop. Saliza's going to Saliza. Stop clock right twice a day. All right, one last call. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Oh, guys, I got to tell you the funniest story. It was so embarrassing. I went to put my belt on, but I forgot I was already wearing suspenders. And it made my pants fall off. Oh, it was the worst. Kind of reminded me of that time I went to put a condom on and I forgot my girl was already on birth control, so my dick fell off. It was so crazy. These things are so weird when they happen, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> Goodbye. Weird. Weird when that stuff happens. I, I, I think the caller missed the uh, point of yeah. Senator Warren's uh, Got a little bit inverse uh, there. metaphor. But again, like we noted on the show, it was a clumsy metaphor. And quite frankly, uh, I'm not surprised that 
you know, I don't even think the caller misunderstood it. It was it was just kind of banter, you know? Yeah. Call the rant line, 202-684-6108. Sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, levelnews.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends to listen. Also... Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month. Get you access to bonus content, including tomorrow's Sentinel cast. You can also watch a live stream of this show when you become a subscriber. The newscast returns tomorrow. Actually, it's going to return Monday. Sentinel cast is tomorrow. We're here in DC, so you don't have to be. <laughs>